Turn with me to Isaiah 61. Some of you can kind of see, I, I, I studied this a bit. I read this often because I refresh myself in this. I'm going to say some things that probably are going to cause your mustache to stand straight out. But I'm going to try to back everything I say up with scripture. And I would say this, what I'm going to be teaching on this morning may you may not get it the first time through. We have the podcast, and I'm sure probably with a little motivation, we probably could get Jonathan to make you a CD if you want to, to listen to it. Because sometimes it takes a while of soaking in it before it really resonates in your spirit. A lot of times I'll take quality teaching times, teaching CDs, and I never figure I really have listened to it until I've heard it at least a half a dozen times. Because each time I go through, there's kind of like more revelation, more exposure of what God is trying to say and trying to do. And what I want to do this morning, and my whole focus is one thing, is to cause you to realize how incredibly important you are to God and how excited he is to have you as one of his kids and how he's prepared you to do his work. Are you with me? Okay. Jesus, again, this is a prophetic utterance, this whole chapter here on the coming Jesus, the coming of Jesus. And it starts out, it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon who? Now, he's talking about the Messiah. If you go back over into Luke 4, Jesus takes this same passage and he stands up in his home church. He went to announce his, his ministry in Nazareth. He figured if anybody would be willing to listen to him, the people that knew him would be willing to listen to him. And he stood up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord, God is upon me. And they stoned him. They tried to chase him off a cliff. How could this be? I got a couple of things. I want to show you, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord can't be on you unless he anoints you. The anointing can't be there unless the Spirit is there. Are you with me? So if I have the Spirit, I have the anointing, I don't have to look for the anointing, I don't have to go after the anointing. The anointing was part of the package. Now, go with me to 2 Corinthians 1.20. Corinthians. Uh, let's start at the 16th verse. Nevertheless, oh, Wait a minute, am I in the right spot? Not in the right spot. It sure makes a difference if you're in the right place or not. Verse 20. For all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. 
Do you realize if you have a promise, you don't have to ask? Oh, you're looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Let's try it again here. <laughs> if I have a promise, I don't have to ask. If you promise to fix me a cake, I don't have to ask you for the flipping cake. If I did, if I came over and I said, you promised me a cake, he said, I know, I'm going to get you a cake. Yeah, but I want, I, I want a cake. He said, well, didn't I promise it to you? You realize how we pray, how we offend God? I mean, we just flat insult his intelligence. We have to ask him 47 times for something when he already understood yes to begin with. You're getting that look in your eye. I can see you. No. When did he hear you? Is he intelligent? If he heard you and is intelligent, why don't we treat him that way? I asked my, my, if I asked my dad for something more than once, I might. If I duck fast enough, it won't hurt bad. <laughs> okay. For the promise of God are in him, yea and amen, to the glory of God. How? Through us. Say, through me. I am the glory. Say this. I am the glory. To God. Through me. Now he who established us with you in Christ has anointed us and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Let me read that again. Now he who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Now, the word deposit here could be earnest money. You ever bought a house? You ever remember when you put the deposit or the earnest money down? They said, now, if you back out of the deal, you lose the deposit. Remember that? That's an old Greek expression. New Greek is engagement ring. I've given you the spirit as an engagement ring for the things that are yet to come. Ah, oh, kind of like that. But here's the thing. He's anointed us and sealed us and given us the spirit. Now, let's go back. Oh, I lost my spot. Here we go. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. If he's given me the Spirit, can I be so bold as to say, the Lord God is upon me? Say it with me. The Lord God is upon the Spirit. Say it again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Say it again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. How does that feel? Because he has anointed me. 
did he anoint you? With what? With a spirit which is an... Yeah. So I can read this and I can look at this as a job description. Are you ready for it? He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted. Now, what's brokenhearted? I looked it up. I thought you might like to know. Break, to break into pieces, shatter, rend violently, to crush, to rupture, to maim, to cripple, to cause, to break down, break out. Hearted, the soul, heart, and mind, knowledge, the thinking, reflection, the memories, inclinations, resolutions, determinations. Memories. Broken heart comes from what? Broken memories. Things that happened in the past. Words that have been spoken over you that did not create success or did not lift your self-worth. That's broken heart. And he has sent you to find people who are broken hearted. I missed a line. He has sent me to, he has, to preach good tidings to the poor. <laughs> I missed it. Forgive me. Matthew 28, 19 says, we are to go, we are to disciple, we are to teach, and we are to baptize. Say it with me, four things. We are to go, disciple, teach, baptize. Say it again. Go, disciple, teach, baptize. Say it one more time. Go, disciple, teach, baptize. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to be real harsh, but I want you to put your hand on your head because I don't want you to get hurt. If you're not going to disciple the person you're going to lead to Christ, don't lead them to Christ. Because it's called being stillborn. They're born again, but they're stillborn. And the next person that comes along, they think they've accepted Christ. They haven't. They've acknowledged Christ. They've not been converted. Are you with me? So if you're going to lead someone, be prepared to disciple them. And we just happened, just out of, we happened to have a disciple. The first 12 lessons have to do with what's happened since you've accepted Christ and what's expected, okay? To, huh? Oh, it's easy and it's fun, yeah. To proclaim liberty to the captives and to open the prison to those who are bound. Remember Paul and Silas were in Philippi? Three o'clock in the afternoon, they cursed the demonic power in the little gal that was announcing them to the world and driving Paul nuts. Nine hours later, how long? How long did it take to disrupt this, this authority and this power that was in the woman? Nine hours. Sometimes we get in a hurry. It didn't happen right away, so it didn't happen. No. 
No, it's kind of like the guy had the real sharp, sharp sword. And he took a swing at the guy, and the guy said, you missed. He said, you think so? Move your head. <laughs> I lost my thought. Oh, poo. I went off on stupid again. I lost my thought. It'll come back. It's like a, it's like a, oh, uh, see, does that happen? Yeah, as I get older, I enjoy that more and more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, scares me when I find two people that I know that I want to introduce to each other, that they don't know each other. And I'm right now shooting about 50-50. I'll remember one name. <laughs> Oh, the nine hours. Yeah, did, 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 yeah, thank you. Nine hours. But when, here's the thing. When the enemy came down, the gates, doors came open, but the shackles fell off. We have people in the body of Christ today that are saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, who are bound you're bound by your past. You're bound by the things that have happened to you. You're bound by the frustrations that have happened in your life, the disappointments, the rejections, and the different things. You're locked up. You're in prison. You're kind of like a cat that we saw one time. We had a fairly new car. And uh, the trunk would go up, but the springs weren't real tight on it. And it, a little breeze would blow it and shut it down. Half the time it fell on my head, and it's just a very irritating thing. But Lenny, had, Lenny and I had gone over to this lady's house to take something over, and we'd taken something out of the trunk, and we'd, un without realizing it, left the trunk open. And they had a little cat. Now, they had a sweet little cat because I played with the cat in the house. We had a lot of fun. But when we got out there, the kitty had gone over the hood, over the top, slid down the back, put his front feet up to catch itself, which closed the trunk on its back feet. Now, the owner was with us, and she came out, and she grabbed the cat to, while I tried to get the key out to open the trunk to try to, you know, show gentleness and care to the kitty, and the kitty bit her deeply twice. Now, the cat wasn't mean but he had his toes in the trunk. And anybody who came by was a threat because it could not move, it could not protect itself. Can I tell you something? That's 90% of the church today. You get close to them, you do something, you say something, they think you said something or did something. And you realize they got their toes, Sam, under the trunk. And what do we do being spirit-filled? We're believing men and women of God full of Holy Ghost and power. We immediately take offense to what they just said. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Am I too far off? Because if we are to love one another, we have to make allowances for one another. If we love another and we see somebody with a toes in the trunk, what's our responsibility? 
open their stupid trunk. Get the toes out if they're bound up. God has given us the power, the authority to break the stuff from the past, to bring them into wholeness, to get them out of the bondage of prison, the bondage of their self-inflicted wounds, if I might use the term. Now, you say, how is that going to be done? Well, it can be done through some training. But many of you have the ability now, you're just novices in it, but you're building up in it for a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, or whatever else. Sometimes when somebody gets kind of really fussy with you, rather than crawling up the same tree with them, stand back and say, Holy Spirit, what can I say now, not only to diffuse this, but to open the door for healing so I can bring them into the fullness. Amen? Lenny had a very nice way of dealing with me when she saw areas that needed to be deal with me. She'd look at me and she said, in the name of Jesus, what's got a hold of you? Now, I, I, can't, I can't do that to you because you probably wouldn't understand. <laughs> you know what? There's only one time I ever feel bad for the devil, and that's when Lenny goes after him. Oh, she's vicious, man. <laughs> she goes after him like a duck on a June bug, man. She, just, she almost enjoys it. Oh. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. The day of vengeance is when he took Satan down. To comfort all who mourn. Mourn is a degree of bondage. How do I know when someone is mourning? What are some of the clues I'm going to pick up on? Sadness. Hopelessness. Can't say anything positive. You know anybody, I don't care what kind of a day it is. It's still raining on the parade. You know what? Wouldn't it be fun if you went before the Lord and said, Father, what word could you give me for them not only to get through the day and lift them up, but to move past their defenses and go to the button that's being pushed to cause that pain to be relevant time and time again. To console those who mourn in Zion. The word console means to show compassion, to set in place, to fix, and to fashion. In the New Testament, there's another word in the Greek that says the same thing, and it's called equip. You dig the word out in the Greek, the word means to set in place that which is broken. It's like setting a bone. So if you'd stop and realize God has brought you into the group of people that you fellowship with, not only to lead them into the, self, self, the plan of salvation, but to bring wholeness and to take that which is broken and set it. When I was a kid, I was riding, riding horses, working cattle and doing different things, and 
this little gal whose ranch I'd go out on, we, were th we thought it'd be fun one day to go rope each other off horses. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a, you know, people, someone <laughs> said one time, he said, you know, was there ever a chance you could have gotten killed? And I said, that's my whole life. God had to, I mean, he had to supernaturally keep me from being killed because I, I did some things that just were not in the essence of wisdom. But anyway, the horse threw me. The horse got slapped alongside the face and scared the horse, and the horse doubled up on me, and I wasn't ready for it because I was looking at her in the back. And I went over, and when I went over, I stuck my hand out to catch myself. And when I did, the two bones in the arm right here broke, and when they did, they teepeed okay, like this. And I came into the house. Now, we're 180 miles from home. We're a good 100 miles from the nearest doctor. And we got a problem. It's going to rain in the next day or two, and they're still haying, and they got to get the hay in, and I got a broken arm. So they had a couch in, in the kitchen, and I was sitting on the end, and she, she said, well, set your arm up here and let me look at it. And I was sitting there looking under the... You know, I thought that was so humorous. I about half stoned anyway, landing on my head. And uh, one of the old cowboys was sitting over, having a cup of coffee over against the wall. And she was sitting here looking, and she was pulling, and she was kind of, and I, I, you know, whatever she did was just, you know, would be a whole new vestures of discomfort. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he slapped the wall, and I looked over at him, and he set, she set my arm. It hurt like crazy, but it had to be done. Oh, you didn't get it. I'll go over here. It hurt like crazy, but it had to be done. Let me tell you something. The pain that's in you is going to hurt like crazy to have it come out because it's called a familiar spirit. You have nurtured it, taken care of it, babied it, pandered to it, and everything else. And when it comes out, it doesn't want to come out quiet. Are you with me? But if you want to be set in place and you want to be whole, you got to let it go. And someone is going to be there to console you. Is it easy? No. Is it fun? No, it's not even pretty. But oh, the freedom that comes. To give them beauty for ashes. Ashes is worthlessness. To give them beauty. The word beauty here can be, be translated as a diadem for the head. What's a diadem? That's not a word we use very much. How about a crown? Now, can you see taking something that's worthless and making it beautiful? It's not that they aren't worth, that they are worthless. It's how they see themselves. Jesus never made a mistake, and he never made junk. And when he made you, he didn't make you worthless. 
lies have been told to you, situations that happened that have caused you to embrace the lie. Someone, are you with me? And the Father, through you, wants to go to them and take that worthlessness away from them and crown them with beauty. You didn't, you didn't realize discipling was going to be this heavy, did you? You just thought you were going to have to teach them a little bit of scripture. No. Can I tell you something interesting? In the early church, about 50 years after the early church started, they had a lot of people join the church, and they found out that there was a lot of the world in the church, and they were causing a whole lot of frustration. They were saved, but out of their woundedness, they were causing all kinds of frustration. Are you with me here? So what they would do, before they would baptize them, they would take them through an inner healing process and get the junk out of them because it's not in the spirit man, it's in the soulish man. Your spirit is sealed in the blood of Christ when you come to Jesus. That's not the issue. But you got a mind, will, and emotion that's a playground for the enemy. And a lot of things that we carry... When we come to Jesus, we don't lay them at the foot of the cross. We have to learn how to lay them down so we can walk away from them. And I tell you what, I'm the chief of laying down that there is. Because I tell you, my path to the cross is about this deep where I still, on, on almost, on a, at least a weekly basis, I gotta say, Father, I realize I picked something back up that I gave to you, and I ask you to forgive me for stealing it. But it's yours. And sometimes i got to take a person. I don't like the person. I want, come on, I want to hurt the person. Are you with me? I don't want to do it fast. I want to do it slowly over a long period of <laughs> Yeah, like shooting them in the kneecaps with a 25 caliber. I mean, something significant. <laughs> and the Lord said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Raj. If you hang on to that, these blessings over here, I can't release to you because you're following the wrong voice. Will you give it to me? I said, do I have to? Can I wait a while? Can I just beat them up for a little bit and then give them to you? <laughs> Come on, am I, anybody here identify? That's, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're together here. <laughs> he said, pick up your cross. That means... Leave the crap at his feet. The only thing you carry is the cross, not the pain of life. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Free to what? Free to the degree you release the nonsense. Or work with someone to release the nonsense, whichever the case may be. I'm just about ready to finish here. To give them beauty for ashes, oil for the morning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. 
Heaviness is to be dim, dull, colorless, dark, faint. Now, when they said the garment of praise, a cloak of praise, a, a, a suit of praise, they're not talking about standing there with your hands up and saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. This is David in his underwear dancing wildly in praise and glory before the ark. He gave us an example of what praise is. You won't get anywhere just saying, thank you, Jesus, I praise you. There are times if you're going to break the heaviness. Come on, are you with me? If you're going to break the heaviness off your family, if you're going to break the heaviness off your kids, there's going to be a time you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to wildly dance before the Lord and shout and yell and praise and glory until something pops in you that will cause that to change in them. We had, remember, some of you may remember Judy and Jim Fortner when they started the church with us. Judy had a little gal, Judy and Jim had a little gal that was just giving them a fit. Rebellious, frustrated. <laughs> Judy had had it. They tried everything, nothing worked. She went and got her stereo, got some praise and worship music on, cranked that sucker way up, and she went and started dancing wildly on the girl's bed to break, <laughs> to break the frustration that's in the little gal. For about six or eight months, man, it made a massive change. I mean, instantly that day you noticed a change. Are you with me? You said, well, this sounds kind of quirky. No, these are things that work. God has given us the ability to break the heaviness. If you're heavy, don't carry it. Carry the cross. They shall, oh, I love this. The planting of the Lord that they may be glorified. I'm going to say this. If you're planted, God doesn't generally transplant. When they put an orchard in, they generally leave the trees there. Every two or three years, they don't remove the trees and plant them elsewhere. It's going to take two or three years to get a crop off them, if they do. If you're planted, stay planted, will you please? They shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall rise up the former desolation. Desolation means... A stupor and, and and to be uh, I'm sorry yeah stupor and to be destitute they shall rebuild the old ruins and shall raise up and shall raise up from the former desolation I had about 14 thoughts just run across my mind and collide all at the same time there we're speaking something more deeply here than wounding of emotions. We're talking about family curses. You say, well, I don't believe in family curses. Yeah, you do. You go to your doctor. What's the first thing he says? Did your mother have cancer? Did your dad have cancer? Did they have high blood pressure? Did they have heart trouble? Did they have diabetes? Come on, am I with you? That's a family curse. Okay? There are others. Divorce is a good one. When divorce is entered in the family, unless it's taken down 
it's going to be handed down through the generations to the third and the fourth generation. Anger and rage. If you're an angry and rage and you have children, the anger and the rage that you showed to them is going to cause them to be angry and rageful at you, which is going to cause them to treat their kids like they, they got. Come on. And this thing perpetuates itself. That's desolation. Poverty. I mentioned it with uh, Cherish. Poverty. Poverty thinking. Not, not, not so much poverty in America, but just poverty thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you're poor, I don't care how much money you have, if you think you're poor, you're poor. The only time God honors poor, he says, blessed are the poor in heart. Poor in spirit. That means we are needy for his glory and for his power to, to fulfill us. But to be poor when he says all things have been provided for you for life and godliness. How much? All. Say it again. How much? All. Do I have to worry? He said, wait a minute. He says, little birds, don't worry. Can you imagine a little bird down his hands and knees saying, oh, God, can I get a few seeds today? <laughs> he said, oh, I know how to take care of the birds. I know how to take care of the lilies of the field. If I know how to take care how much more? How much more? Well, I take care of you when you're my son and my daughter, not a servant. I'm his kid. I wouldn't let my kid go hungry. I don't even let my dog go hungry. And we say, well, yeah, but will God meet me? God's highest delight is to bless you and not curse you, to give you a future and give you hope, to put a plan in your life. What he said with you in, in one of the prophetic books, he says, I'm going to bless you to make the Jew jealous. I haven't seen that yet. Well, I have in Trump. Everybody sees his ability to make money and everybody's jealous. <laughs> But he said, I want to bless you to that point. I want to lift you up and honor you and glorify my name through you. In other words, I want to make you so enticing that the world stands in line to come to you and say, what do you have that I'm needing to be in the same position that you're in? And we're sitting there saying, oh God, I got more months than I have money. Fine, go find a button and give it away. You see, what's happened is a spirit has attacked your money. God didn't withdraw. God is not a taker-backer. I don't know if you figured that out yet. Okay? He's a giver. God so loved the world, he gave, and he's continually giving. But there's one who's called the enemy of our soul who can come in and interrupt the flow, but we're so frustrated, we immediately start whining God, oh God oh God instead of saying, wait a minute Lenny Ray we're going to bust that sucker what do we have to give away and we start going through the house 
You start looking at everything. Come, are you with me? You say, has this worked? Yeah, a few dozen times. I refuse to bow my knee to need. Ah, you didn't get it. I refuse to bow my knee to need when my father has black black tops heaven with translucent gold. Come on. I refuse to be blown away by what he asked me to do because he can meet my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to build his kingdom for his glory. Come on. (laughs) Scary? Yeah. You'll wet yourself, I promise you. (laughs) Oh, I'm done. I'm more than done. I'm undone. I just want to read this. And they shall repair the ruins of the cities. The cities are people groups, not not cities per se. And the desolation, desolation of many generations, the stuff that you've been carrying have been for generations. Wouldn't you like to have that puppy broken? Yeah. Strangers, now I love this, I love this. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. <laughs> the breakthrough. You said I'm going to get rich. No, you're going to get your needs met. You see, let me, let me help you with something. Don't worry about being rich. Let's worry about getting our needs met. Okay. What would you do if all of a sudden you got, a, uh, say, $100,000? Let me ask you something. How much would the missionaries get over and above the tithe? That's why you don't have 100000 <laughs> You see, God doesn't give anything you haven't got a plan for. Matter of fact, you remember back if, about a year or so ago, I told you a little bit of a plan that I have, the things I want to do. I want to... I want to be so blessed that I can set up a retirement plan for some of the missionaries where they know that for the rest of their life they're going to have X number of dollars coming in. I mean, tell me that wouldn't be fun. I said, well, wouldn't you like to have a nice house? I got a nice house. Wouldn't you like to have a bigger house? No, because Lenny will have to clean it. <laughs> She'll get cranky. Well, don't you want a nicer car? Yeah, I probably would. I'd probably have a couple of toys. But wouldn't it be fun to take Matt? Come on now, this is Raj, okay? Wouldn't it be fun to take Matt and say, hey, Matt, let's go out and have dinner. What, what's the thing that's holding you back from the thing that God's told you to do? And said, if I gave you 20000 would it help? Now, tell me that's better than a new car. (laughs) See, you have not because you ask amiss. You say, oh, God, bless me. Okay, what are you going to do when I bless you? Well, my thing is, Father, bless me so I can bless others. Heal me so I can bring healing to others. Restoring me, which I can teach restoration for you. 
Allow your glory to flow through me so I can teach somebody else how to walk in the glory. Allow your anointing to walk in me so I can touch the world. Because he's a big enough God to do it. And I tell you what, he's so excited about you and what your potential is. He can hardly wait for you to get out of your mully grubbing thinking and get into his level of thinking where you're not overwhelmed with what he can do. And you can see yourself being able to move past what's held you in the past and bring you into the fullness of his glory. Well, you can say, I can see my shop. I can see it with about six or eight chairs. I can hear the Christian music playing in the background, and I can see each of my cosmetologists praying over each one of the customers as they leave. And sometimes we might even do a little deliverance and healing right there in the spot. Now, wouldn't it be a cool business? Tell me you wouldn't have time. If you knew that you are going to get a word from the Lord while you were having a cosmetologist work on you, would you go? Do you think there'd be a lion outside waiting to get in? Come on now. Why not? Where you're at, God has planted you in your neighborhood, in your job, whatever else. I tell you this every time I'm here because I want you to understand it. You're not there by chance. You're there by appointment. Have you fulfilled the appointment that you have because you can't move from there until the initial job is finished? Are you complaining about what you've got rather than what you potentially could do? I've had some rotten jobs, but nearly all the rotten jobs I had, a lot of time to minister to people. Okay? Each rotten job was a stair step to allow me to enjoy the things I needed to learn under those conditions. Come on, are you with me? Because the steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. He doesn't make mistakes. He said, well, I'd like to get another job. When you mature in the job you're in, and you mature in Christ where you're whole enough for the next step, he'll move you, and he'll leave that up to you when you're ready to move. Are you with me?